there's a hadith which is related by Imam Ahmed in his Musnad and Ibn Hibban and a number of others. The Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, مَنْ يُرِدِ اللَّهُ بِهِ خَيْرًا اِسْتَعْمَلَهُ وَفِي رِوَايَةٍ عَسَلَهُ Whoever Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala intends good with, He uses him. Ista'mal. Uses him. In another version it says, عَسَلَهُ فَقِيلَ يَا رَسُولَ اللَّهُ مَا عَسَلَهُ أَوْ مَا إِسْتَعْمَلَهُ So they ask, Ya Rasulullah, what does that mean? How do, does he istimal or asal? How does he use them? So the Prophet sallallahu alayhi wa sallam said, يُوَفِّقُهُ لِعَمَلٍ صَالِحٍ قَبْلَ مَوْتِهِ يَرْضَى عَنْهُ مَنْ حَوْلَهُ أو يَرْضَى عَنْهُ جِيرَانُهُ There's various versions. That Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala gives them the tawfiq. Uh, that means divinely enables them facilitates for them to do something before their death, before they die, that people around them will be satisfied and will remember them in a good way, that mashallah, look at what they did for the deen. So, one of the secrets of doing things for the right reason, no, to do everything you do for the right reason is to have the best goals in mind. If your goals the purpose, you're doing whatever you're doing, if that is praiseworthy, then all the means that you adopt to do that thing will also become praiseworthy. Even some of the mundane actions, even some of the normal everyday actions. So what happens is that <clears throat> when you come to Islam Academy, you get, mashallah, a boost of Iman because you're in the environment. This is what it's the purpose of this place is to create that. Alhamdulillah. And more, pe more places like this should be established because you need people to be able to access these places in all cities uh, for, for this to happen. Uh, our way of living, our way of Islamic living has to come with ilm and education. Imam Dhahabi rahimahullah was one of the, our greatest muhaddithin. Um, he, he, he was asked, what is the greatest alpha and problem that people will generally deal with that will probably create the biggest problem for them? What is the greatest alpha? For, what is the greatest problem that Muslims will generally face? What do you think it is? People will say attacks, internal attacks, external attacks, fitan, etc., etc. But to be honest, that's just the nature of the world. The world will do its thing. You will have problems, you will have selfishness, you will have uh, murder, you'll have qatl, you'll have tyranny in the world. Now, human beings, uh, human beings or as Muslims, we have certain commands. <coughs> Awamir, as they call in Arabic. You must do this, you mustn't do that. These are things that we, are, we have a choice. So we're told, aqimu salah, establish prayer. We have a choice. Do we want to pray? We don't want to pray. That's a choice, right? Of course, we want to take the choice that we should pray. La taznoon or la taqrabu zina. Do not get close to zina. Again, it's a choice. Do I want to do it? Don't I want to do it? I'm at work and there's a lot of, uh, you know, there's a lot of flirting. La taqrabu zina. It's a choice. Do, should I do it? Should I not do it? Just because my wife is not watching me, she doesn't know, so it's okay. But what about if she finds out? You know, that's a choice. So those are the acts we have where we choose a way. And we're expected to use, choose the way of the Sharia. Then on top of that, there's another layer of things that happen to us where we don't have a choice. For example, a difficulty arises, a problem comes about. You have a problem with your car, you have a problem with something leaking inside the house, you suddenly lost your job, or some other loss took place in life. Now there you don't have choices, <coughs> there you, it's already happened. So there our responsibility is a different type of responsibility. That's where we must make sabr. 
That's where we must be patient. And Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala has told us, the Prophet has told us how to act in both of these situations. So in the first ones, we're supposed to listen to the command of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, command of the Prophet and do the best that we can. Just because we can't always do it, or sometimes we fail, sometimes we may miss a prayer, that shouldn't make us feel that it's not worth it. Because Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says, فَاتَّقُوا اللَّهَ مَسْتَطَعْتُمْ Fear Allah as much as I think you can. The, the challenge many of us feel is that where you're not living, I, I think the biggest challenge, and I will let you ask questions inshallah afterwards, but I think one of the biggest challenges people feel is that if I'm not fully doing something Islamic, then that means I'm not being Islamic. And while some of that is true, we get so engrossed in our everyday life. We get up in the morning, we have to get ready for work. We rush for work, we do work, and our work is just, uh, sometimes you, you enjoy it, sometimes you don't. Because it's sometimes you're just doing to make some money, to, to make a living. And sometimes you may even feel a bit uh, ethically, um, is this the right kind of job? Should me as a Muslim be doing this job or not? These are some of the challenges that we're facing. Then we come home and then if you're married, if you have children, you've got those demands. You've got demands of doing shopping, you've got demands of paying bills, you have demands of maybe there's relatives. And we feel that the only time we can be properly Islamic is if we go to the masjid or if we come to Islamic academy or something like this. So when we're not here and getting the Imani boost, we feel like we're not getting anything. And if we're not getting anything, then it means that we're not getting closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why the best way to actually stay close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time is to make everything that we do, including the everyday things of our life, whether that be cooking or cleaning or looking after the children, uh, teaching, uh, going to work, all of that. If that is Islamic, if we, if we make that Islamic, then all of that spiritually, we will feel inshallah close to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala all the time. You see, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala says in the Qur'an, الَّذِينَ يَذْكُرُونَ اللَّهَ قِيَامًا وَكُرُودًا وَعَلَى جُنُوبِهِمْ Those who praised, Allah praises these people who remember Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala standing, sitting and on their sides. Now, if you look at it, that if generally a lot of people think dhikr, remembrance is to sit down and read, take a tasbih and do a certain amount of wird. That is a dhikr. But dhikr is more than that. Dhikr is a presence of the heart with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. That's why some of our mashayikh of the past, uh, especially when you're talking about the Naqshbandis, for example, if I, if I take that name, they have the concept of um, your hand is on your action and your, your, your heart is with Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. In Persian, they say, Dil bayar. Dust bakar dil bayar. Dust bakar dil bayar. It's Persian, which basically means dust means hands. And uh, dust bakar, kar means work. So when you're working, you're, you're engaged in work. Whatever that is, you're an engineer, you're a mechanic, you're cooking, whatever work. But your, your heart is constantly thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Now, that's obviously a wonderful state. It sounds great that whatever I'm doing, I can be thinking about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. The difficulty is how do you achieve this state? Because then it becomes a hal, a, 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 that becomes your state, second nature. But obviously, the way to do that is to, uh, there's a methodology for that. The other thing that they say is uh, the concept of khalwat. Dar Anjuman. These are all Persian terms. Uh, I don't know if they're from other languages as well, but definitely Khalwat is Arabic anyway. So it means solitude even when you're sitting among people. When you're sitting among people, you're still connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Connection to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, that's what you call true spirituality, is something that we need to achieve wherever you are, if you can think about Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. Wherever you are, whatever you're doing, then you will not feel that shaitan is overpowering you. Because as soon as you do dhikr of Allah, shaitan retreats. So then, inshallah, because look, you're going to have to earn a living. You're going to have to do mundane jobs in your life. The shaitan is tricking us to make us feel that when that's happening, 
I am no, not connected to Allah. I can only be connected to Allah when I go to the masjid. But because I cannot go to the masjid, and nobody can sit in the masjid unless you're in itikaf. But you can't do itikaf all of your life. You have to, you got responsibilities. Earning a living is also a reward, it's also a job, as long as you're doing it for the sake of Allah. Earning a, earning a living for yourself is also for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala if you do it for the right reason. So, shaitan makes us think that we're disconnected and we are disconnected until we can bring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our lives for everything. So the way to bring Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in our lives for everything is to first have a daily schedule. If you don't have a daily schedule, we, everybody has a daily schedule, but it's this, this, the schedule is the main things of the day. So what would be your schedule? You get up in the morning, you pray Fajr, hopefully, inshallah, and then you go for work. Work, very important. Or school. If you're a student, then it's school. Um, for some of our women, it will be that I need to get the children ready and take them to school. right? Or I need to make breakfast. Or I need to prepare lunch or, or, or dinner or whatever the case is. I need to wash the clothes, I need to do this, I need to do that. Those are all responsibilities that we all have. <coughs> we can't get away from those responsibilities. These are responsibilities. Everybody has a responsibility. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina wa What we want to do is, as Imam Ghazali rahmatullahi alayhi says, that make sure you have a time allotted for everything you do. Make sure that every time that you have is organized. And if you are organized and you have a time for everything, only by then will the blessing in your time appear. Time is there. Time is from Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. If, if we organize our time that this time I'm going to do this, this time I'm going to do this, this time I'm going to do this, and you make sure you keep to that time as much as possible, then you'll be able to get more in because you will know whether you have time for something or not because you've already slotted it in. Within your time, every day, whether you can come, because some people, if you ask them how often do you go to come to Islam, you're going to say once a week maybe, or twice a week, right? How often can you go to the masjid? Very few people, unfortunately, can go to the masjid five times a day. That's an accomplishment. But at least try to go once a day for any prayer, whether that Fajr, Isha, whichever prayer is convenient for you, at least... If you don't live too close. I'm not really sure how, of, how, how close people live here. But in London, mashallah, there's maybe 200 masjids in the city. There are a million Muslims. About 200 <coughs> masjids. And masjid from my house, five minutes walk. So you don't have to use a car or anything. So we try to go more than once a day. You have to go two, three, four times a day. As much as possible. Where you can't go to the masjid, then you do a jama'ah at home. You congregation at your home with your, with your, with your family. So inshallah, you'll get the barakah of jama'ah. And that's more than, that you get more reward of doing that than to pray alone. Even when you pray alone, uh, when you pray with your family, like husband and wife, uh, if there's children or just husband and wife, you get the reward for a jama'ah, which is more than, so according to one riwayah, it's at least 15 times the reward. Masjid is 25, 27, but to pray anywhere else with a jama'ah, there's at least approximately 10 or 15 times the reward, as mentioned by Ibn Hajar, rahimahullah. So, we need to... <coughs> How long are we going to wait for this utopian idea that I'm going to be able to be in a masjid all the time, right? That could take years until you retire, hopefully. So what we want to do is we want to change every day what we do. We want to make that Islamic. So that we actually feel the spirituality in everything that we do. So some suggestions is that at home, because... Physically, you know, if you want to come uh, to the masjid or you want to go and uh, to a dars, everybody should try to have at least some dars, as much as they can fit in. Because as, as I was saying, uh, let me finish off Imam Dhahabi's opinion. Imam Dhahabi was, uh, uh, mentioned that one of the biggest calamities that this ummah will deal with is going to be jahl, ignorance. Ignorance is a very, very dangerous thing. As you, uh, some of you who are here in the early class, uh, you know, if you just 
had heard the hadith of the Prophet in certain situations about avoiding disputes. Why you should avoid a dispute because you get reward, a place in paradise. The one who says salam first, he's free of uh, pride and arrogance. When you know these things, then you can just lead, lead a better life. When you don't know, then shaitan creates all kinds of problems in our mind. Create all kinds of confusions in our mind, turbulence in our mind. We don't feel good. There's some people, they want to study Islam. And they've had this idea for a long time. But they want to study in a Muslim country. They're saying, I need to go to Egypt before it used to be Syria. May Allah make it, uh, may Allah bring the stability and goodness uh, to, to, to Syria and to all these other countries. <coughs> but right now I can't go because I've got family commitments. I have to earn a living. I have to do this. I have to do that. So they end up not doing anything. MashaAllah, locally, whatever you have, you take the benefit from that. Just because you can't get something fully, doesn't mean you have to abandon it completely. As they're saying in Arabic, Or julluhu, you can say, yes. Whatever you can't fully acquire, you don't fully abandon it either. You get a bit. I've seen people for so many years, up to 10 years, I, I need to go out. And then finally they decide it's never going to happen. In this time, had they just studied locally or online, they would have been somewhere. These are all ways of shaitan's deceptions. If he, if he allows you to even think about it, he won't allow you to do it. So shaitan will use various different types of deceptions to limit what we do. And he'll keep making us feel bad, but we don't do anything about it. Somebody wrote to us recently. He said that I had made a vow, another, a vow, another uh, to shaitan, that uh, if such a thing happens, then I will become a scholar. I will become an alim. But, alhamdulillah, the thing took place. Uh, the, the, whatever I had asked for, alhamdulillah, took place. Now, how do I fulfill my vow of becoming an alim? Because I don't have time. I've got obligations. I've got responsibilities. Now, this is a bit of a complicated, fiqhi issue. But number one, this, is, this nazar is not valid. Another vow is only valid for ibadat right so uh, for anything like sadaqah because there's a there's a zakat salat because there's you know there's fart prayer fasting hajj things like that but then what we told him is that you under your understanding of alim is sheikh salahuddin like somebody who's gone and studied for this many number of years and got ijazat now that is an alim of course but an alim is also somebody who just learns some more. And you've got your whole life ahead of you. Just because you can't do something right now, doesn't mean that you're going to leave it. So the idea is that we are getting older. Where our time in this world is <coughs> short. So every year, every week, every month, every year, we want to do something. Even if that's a weekly course, even once a month, course so that we can say at the end of every year that I know that much more than I did last year the way we do is let's take take stock of ourselves that how much how much different am I and Ramadan is a good time to do this how is this Ramadan better than my last Ramadan how am I this year better what have what more what more did I learn this year than last year what more have I introduced in my life than last year. Am I closer to Allah than I was last month or last year? And in every year we want to do that until we die. Can you imagine if that's our focus? Just month to month, year to year, by the time in the next 10 years, can you imagine how much you could increase? Because believe me, there are so many people I've been watching them, and I'm not judging anybody, but I've been watching from my local community when I was seven, eight years old. And these are people who've lived in the same community. If they've been coming once, a week to the masjid for Jumu'ah even though they live just down the road from the masjid still there's some people who are still only coming once a week to the masjid which is on Jumu'ah I'm not judging that they're not praying or anything but there's no improvement see what I'm saying there's no addition are we supposed to be getting closer to Allah every year so 
the, the ways to do this is that we want to increase our knowledge. If we increase our knowledge, we will want to do more action. Because how, how are you going to know how to get closer to Allah if you don't increase your knowledge? There could be simple ways while you're sitting at home, while you're doing your job at work, that you could be turning all of that into a reward for free. And you don't know because we don't have the knowledge. So we're losing opportunities. Right now it's uh, coming to the end of year. So there's a lot of sales, a lot of offers, a lot of specials. Uh, in England we have a website called uh, Hot UK Deals. So you go on this website and people put on there all the special sales and deals. Now, the only way you're going to find out if there's a deal is if you go to the website. So the more you learn, the more deals you'll get. That's the benefit of becoming an alim. Now, don't think that I must spend five, seven years to become an alim if you can't do that. That would be ideal, but if you can't do that, then just take one course, two course, uh, take a book, read it at home with your family. One of the best things is to create the environment at home, especially if you're going to have children. You need to get them used to reading the right things. A lot of people, they ask, how do, you, how do you get your children into reading? The way you get your children into reading is that you read to them first. From the age of one, two, you read them a storybook. And, the, you know, the storybooks you read, you can read any storybook. It's something with good morals and character and ethics in there. But this is the time when you can read to them the stories of the prophets. Because anything you read to them at that time is going to stick in their mind. And for us as in our deen, we want to come in the name of Allah and we want to go in the name of Allah. That's why when a baby is born, you say, uh, you give the adhan in the right and the iqama in the left ear. Because so he comes and introduced into the world with the name of Allah. And then hopefully man, uh, uh, man, uh, whoever's last words, akhiru kalamihi la ilaha illallah. So in between that, you want to read to them. And if you read to them, you see, a lot of people, they say, I don't want my children are uh, addicted to watching. They don't read. We have all these books, but they don't read. Well, how, how are they going to read when you didn't show them what the benefit of reading was? How do you show them the benefit of reading? You read to them from a young age. So then they will associate good stories, good morals, excitement in a book. Because you read to them from a book. So then they'll want to pick up books and read them. So these are small, small things that we can do to make our home environment better. So what we told this man is, look, whether your another is valid or not, you've got your whole life. All you do is just dedicate yourself to reading more. So you come to your ulama, your, your scholars, and you ask them, what books can we read? At home, ta'aleem, right? Uh, actually, a number of people, this marriage book, they've started reading with husband and wife. Not children, just husband and wife. That let's do ta'aleem from here. Uh, there's other simple, simple books that you can have where there's no confusion in those books. Riyadh al-Salihin should be okay. But there's, uh, you have to avoid the, uh, because you don't want to start until you've learned more. And then you can, you, can, you can take a course, then you can maybe teach that to your home. Basically, at every time, every day, just try to be doing something. Whether you're at work or whatever the case is. Now at work, uh, one thing is that you want to increase yourself and enhance yourself. But the other one is that there's two things, right? One is you want to do good deeds. The other one is you have to stop bad deeds. So stopping bad deeds is you have to avoid places of fitna, avoid places of temptation, avoid places of sin. Now, many, many people, one of their biggest challenges is at work because you have to go to work and you can't always find a job. I mean, sometimes you do have crazy people. Once this woman, she called me and she said that I'm in a situation where my husband cannot find a job where he can, where it's uh, uh, no free mixing like totally halal, you know. Uh, so because of that, he then forces me to go out to work. She wears a niqab, she forces me to go out to work. I said, that's crazy. So you have strange people like that. But what we need to understand, maybe this is moving into the marital issue a bit, but it's important because if you, if you don't have stability at home, uh, how are you going to have stability? Stability is very important. And one of the big complaints that women have is that my husband flirts too much with people. He has WhatsApp messages coming from co-workers. Now, the thing is that in the husband's mind, he thinks this is harmless. 
it's just a colleague at work, it's just a few banter, they, in English we call this banter, it's just a few innocent messages. But uh, are they innocent? You know, uh, you may think that this is my boundary, I don't want to commit zina. This is just, it's just a laugh, it's just a bit of a, a joke, right? Because, you see, it's a, a bit of a situation, whether for men or women, you're going to work, you're using seven, eight hours of the freshest time of your day, right? Mm -hmm. And you're, you're going to get dressed to go to work because you have to be presentable at work. So people spend time, you know, making themselves presentable in different ways. They go to work and then what happens is uh, they're using seven, eight hours of the most productive, freshest time of their day with colleagues. Now what happens is that if I'm working with Sheikh Salah on something, <coughs> And we, mashallah, get success. We're going to feel, alhamdulillah, you know, there's going to be a feeling of emotion closeness. So you, uh, you don't do high fives, right? No. Right? So, you know, they, <laughs> you know, they do high fives. This is a way to just show, hey, you know, we did this together. And if you fail, you have a, weak, uh, you have a problem. Then, it, you know, when you do something together with somebody, it creates a bond. You start learning about one another. So now, if you're, if you're at work in a project with uh, a man is with a woman, right? There's going to be some emotion there. And a lot of marriages, they have problems because of this. Then you come home, you're tired. Seven, eight hours, tough day at work, you come home. You want to get into more casual, comfortable clothing, right? Or pajamas. And you've got no time for anything else. So then, you, you can see the, the difficulty in this. And this is where, subhanAllah, from the feedback I get, I don't work in that kind of environment, but the feedback I get that this is where a lot of people have a big issue. And then sometimes what happens <laughs> is that the wives become paranoid about this. And that's a difficult, because then they start looking through the phones and emails watching who is he going with and sometimes there's nothing and sometimes there's a bit but not they, they the men think it's not uh, for it's not going beyond the limits but uh, th this is where it creates a lot of difficulty that's why we want to do the best that we can we want to do the best that we can and we want to you have to avoid avoid the wrongs and focus and invest on what we have at home so that's why jahala and ignorance will be one of the biggest calamities. Because with ignorance, we can't improve our character. With ignorance, we can't improve our worship. With ignorance, we cannot improve our purity or anything else for that matter. Because for akhlaq, right? We, uh, as I mentioned earlier, but there's new faces here, we're all created with different character. So for example, our brother Hassan, he may be very generous by nature, right? Some of us, some people, they're very generous, but they're very angry. Meaning, they get angry quickly. Some people, they're very calm, but they were very stingy. So they got one positive, they got one negative trait. Right? Allah creates all of us with different traits. Now, if we understand what's good and what's bad, because there's some people who say, that's how I am, I'm not going to change. You must change. We all need to change and the reason the Prophet ﷺ encouraged good character is because it's something that can be improved. There's some people, they're very arrogant and what they do is they, they basically control everything wherever they go. Everybody else has to just sit back. I've seen such people that sometimes, you know, and they, they actually even say, I'm not going to change, this is the way how I am, you better take it or leave it. Right? If you don't, then tells his wife, if you don't like I'll, I'll give you a divorce. Tell the kid, if you don't want to leave me, get out of here. You know? They act like this, like a, like a tyrant. Subhanallah. <coughs> I've seen such people, they've contracted a disease. They get cancer or something, and you see they become totally different people. They become so humble that, uh, you know, the, the, you, like, is this the same person? Why are we waiting for Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to basically bring us to that level? We can change. We can definitely change. 
where I've benefited the most from is to read these books by Imam Ghazali, rahimahullah, these, where they talk about the, they, he speaks about the issue. For example, I had, uh, I was imam in place in America, Santa Barbara, for eight years. So, how many, how many weeks in a, how many jumas in a year? 50, 52, 56? MashaAllah. MashaAllah. As far as I know, it's about 52, right? So, I was the only imam in town, so I had to give 52 talks a year. Juma, taqriba, at least, at least 45 to 50. So, I, I started reading Imam Ghazali's Ihya Ulum al the section on Afatul Lisan. There's 20 Afat, 20 calamities of the tongue he mentions. And he explains each one from Hadith, uh, from Quran, from Hadith, from stories, and then the cures and stories and everything like that. And it's huge benefit you get from that. Because he talks about the various different, you know, one is Ghiba, one is Namima. Right, tail bearing, backbiting, uh, swearing, cursing, tashadduq fil kalam, I mean, the, the, the pretensive speaking, and all of these things. If you don't know, we could be doing these things and we don't know. So we don't know it's bad. And others are not willing to tell us because not everybody's so honest. Not everybody is going to correct us properly. And when people do, they criticize us. So we think it's wrong. You have to remember, anytime somebody criticizes you, there's going to be exaggeration in there, but minus 30-40%, at least 50-60% should be correct. Otherwise, why would they criticize you? They can't criticize you for nothing. Generally, when people criticize you or insult you, it generally there's a bit of truth in there and a bit of exaggeration. So, we, we have to learn from these things. So, inshallah, that will make us better people in our akhlaq, in our character, and that is Islamic. I don't know how to give da'wah to the Muslims. Like, you know, when you're sitting with somebody, you just can't sp start speaking to them about Islam, brothers, you must, you know, you must become Muslim and it's the wonderful deen. Some people, mashallah, they do this naturally. I find that difficult. So I used to be worried a long time. Then I thought, subhanAllah, there's one da'wah we can all give to non-Muslims, whether at work or whatever, which is to basically just improve our behavior and our conduct. People are looking for good conduct today. <coughs> Good conduct will be, will be witnessed, noticed, and acknowledged and appreciated wherever you go. It doesn't matter who it is. When you have good, good character, whether that be in your dealings, in just closing the door behind somebody, in opening the door for somebody, asking somebody wants a coffee, simple, simple things like that. You do it for the sake of Islam, for the sake of Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, and you're rewarded for it. See, what, what I'm trying to say, take this example. The Prophet ﷺ said there are 70-something branches of faith. 77 or so, 70-plus branches of faith. Shu'abul Iman. And in there, he said, A'laha kalimatu la ilaha illallah. And adnaha is imatatul adha anit tariq. Walhaya'u shu'abatum minal iman. So, only three things are mentioned here. There's 70-something branches, and some ulama, they've tried to put them together, like Imam Bayhaqi, to explain all of them, and so on. It says the highest one is to say, La ilaha illallah, Muhammad Rasulullah. That's the highest branch of Iman. The branch of Iman means that once you have Iman as the essence of your belief, then these are the branches, branches that it will sprout. These are the, you can say, the actions that will come out of it. So obviously, La ilaha illallah, I declare, you know, Man ahsanu qawlam mimman da'a ilallah wa amila saliha wa qala innani minal muslimin. Who better in speech, right? Except the one who invites to Islam and at the end Allah says, and who says, I am from the Muslims, proudly, I am from the Muslims. Both in statement, in qawl and amal, in, 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 in action. So that's kalima la ilaha illallah. The lowest degree is to move something aside that's going to harm people. So for example, yesterday, I was in a part in London and they have, you know, these bikes you can hire. So the one had fallen and uh, it was rainy and, it's, you know, and there was a lot of mess there. So we're trying to go past, now we had to jump over it. So at that time we thought, subhanAllah, that's the hadith. The hadith says, this is, other people are going to want to go past. So we picked it up, it was quite heavy, we picked it up. 
What the muhaddithin writes here is that this is the lowest branch of iman. And if you're going past and you don't and you don't pick up something which could be harmful to somebody, and you can't even do that, and that's the lowest branch of iman, what may the strength of your iman be? If that's the lowest degree of your iman. Well min al iman. And then the Prophet speaks specifically about haya. Haya in English is very difficult to translate because you need concepts. You need concepts. And if people have lost the concept, they, they, there's no word for it. Uh, for example, in Arabic, we've got a term called shamatatul uh, a'da, which means to get happy when your enemy is being afflicted. You know, if your enemy gets afflicted, somehow you get excited that good for you, you deserve it type of thing. That's called shamata. Uh, we're not supposed to be rejoicing when your brother becomes afflicted. Now in English, apparently there was no used word for that. So they took it from German. Do you guys have a word for it in Swedish? Huh? Schadenfreude is German, by the way. Right? So they took it from English. Now that's what's used in English. But actually, you know what's interesting? There is a word in English that's about 300 years old, which is archaic. We actually have it, but they've forgotten it. So it's in the dictionaries, but now they're using a German word because they've forgotten that. It's a concept. Right? So likewise, haya, some people translate it in English as shyness, uh, modesty, bashfulness, but none of them work perfectly for the concept of haya. And the reason the Prophet says haya is iman, it's one main branch of iman, is because haya, if you have, it will help your iman. It's one of the most effective aspects of increasing your iman. But now what I want to explain is that let's just say there's somebody who's shy by nature, introvert. Anybody like that here? Somebody who's introverted, who's shy, who doesn't speak much in public. Right? There's a few people like this. Do they get reward for the shyness? Natural shyness. Will they be re Is this haya? Will they be rewarded for this? What do you think? So let's just say that there's an opportunity to do sin. The only reason they don't do it is because they're too shy. They don't want to push themselves forward. Nothing to do with Islam. Nothing to do with fear of Allah. They're just too shy to make a move. Will they be rewarded for this? No. no. They're not rewarded for this. They're going to be sinful because they didn't do anything. But they're not going to be rewarded for it either. But if you stayed away because you said, No, la wa this is wrong. And you stayed away, you shy to do it because you know Allah is watching, you get rewarded. You see the difference? So now let me explain something. Haya, if you say it's Haya Fitri, which means that I'm just naturally a shy person, naturally an introverted person, I'm not. I, I don't curse people, I don't res respond to people. You don't get reward for that. But if your shyness is for the sake of Allah, then that is haya. Because that's haya imani. The, the way they've summarized it, this is haya fitri and haya kasbi. So one is just natural, that's just the way I am. And the other one is where you have acquired this haya or you've implemented it. But to be honest, if the person who is naturally shy can learn about this, then much of his life can become haya imani because then he'll be doing for the right and it'll be easy for him because that's how he is anyway. See the difference? So, there's so many things like this. Another one is when the Prophet said to Umar who's the most beloved to you? So he said that, you know, you are more beloved to me than everything except myself and, and so on. Uh, the Prophet said, that's not enough. So then he turned around for a bit and then he said, okay, yes, now I can say you are more beloved to me than everything, including myself and everything. So then Umar, the Prophet said to him, Al-an, you know, now you've got the true Iman. Again, the same thing. One is Iman, uh, sorry, hope. There's some things which you have a natural love for. That's called hub fitri. It's just a natural love I have for something. If you have no natural love for prayer, or solitude, or dhikr, then we need to create that. Hub kasbi, you call that. 
How do you create love for something? Because, inshallah, if we can create love for deen, that becomes easy when you do something out of love. How do you create love for something? You look at its qualities. Earlier on today, we discovered that the way you, you love something, what is love? Love is an inclination towards beauty. Love is an inclination towards something that you will benefit from. That's what you call love. So now if you can convince yourself that Islam, Iman, Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala is beneficial for me in this world and the hereafter, you will automatically become inclined towards it. But how are you going to understand that? How are you going to create that? With knowledge. The more you read, the more you read the Qur'an. The more you read the hadith, the more you read and listen to the durus, you start seeing the beauty, you start seeing the benefit that it's only Allah that can hear, help me for sure in the hereafter. In this world, I think lots of people can help me. Really, it's Allah, but we only we look at asbab, zahira, so in the hereafter. So the benefit of that is that even a medicine that you don't like, that is bitter, if you start looking at the benefits of it, slowly, slowly, you will start to like to take it. And this is the way the world works. You have to get yourself to love something, to prefer something for you to be able to bring it into your life. So now, what we want to do is, in our life, we want to try to introduce some adhkar in our life. Because, Allah bi dhikrillahi tatma'innul qulub. To be honest, uh, the, the heart needs the dhikr of Allah. And if we don't have it, then we're going to be like a fish out of water. But we still don't want to do a dhikr because we just don't realize that, because it's difficult. Shaitan doesn't want us to do it. However, it's difficult. We tell you that, you know, all you have to do is a hundred istighfar in the morning and evening. A hundred salawat on the Prophet in the morning and evening. The Prophet has done so much for us. Can we not even do a bit of salawat in the morning and evening for him? Whereas our whole iman, if we see the value of it, it's because of him. A bit of Quran, in, a bit of Quran. A bit of meditation. That's all you need to do. But it's difficult to bring that in your life because there's too much competition. The competition is too much. Everything we do, we already have enough time that we do this. What do you think the majority of people spend and waste the most time in? One of the biggest waste time is the phone today. I remember once I had to get somebody's phone number. And a scholar's phone number and I hadn't saved it but I know he's on a group I'm on but that group is one of the few groups that I actually read all the messages and there were 2,000 messages yeah 2,000 yeah 2,000 but it was after Ramadan I think so I hadn't read them and I tried to read all the messages so that's the only one I like okay I'll read it one day now I need his number so now I have to Look at the messages, make sure I read all of them because, you know, otherwise they go to the bottom and you have to go back up to look for them. So, I started about 11 o'clock at night. I said, okay, I'll quickly read it and I'll get his number so I can contact him. One and a half hours for 2,000 messages. And if you actually do a, uh, if you actually look, depending on how many groups and messages you're on, it's hundreds and hundreds and hundreds and thousands of messages a day. That's a big waste of time. A lot of people, they come, believe me, they don't say, I don't have time for the deen. I want to do it, but I don't have time to, to read Quran. I don't have time to do this. And you know what? They do have time. They just have, they just, they don't have time because it's all occupied. But it's not occupied with the right thing. If you really put your hand on your heart, you will notice that we waste too much time nowadays. <coughs> it is so easy to do it. Somebody on WhatsApp sends you a video. Of something useful, maybe interesting. So I start looking at it. And I finish that video, there'll be 10 other ideas that pop up. And that's it. And this, it's very clever. The algorithms, they know what you watch, so they know, and it'll be generally things that you've seen before. So your nafs will go back to it, you start seeing that. And now oh, let me just see this one, then let me see this one. And a few hours have passed just like that. And we say, we don't have time. That's exactly what it is. Just, we just don't have time because we're just too occupied in wasting our time. And, you know, 10 year, uh, 15 years ago, 20 years ago, if you wanted to waste time, you'd have to actually call someone. Or you'd have to go outside to the cafe or four roads or outside the masjid or whatever. 
now you don't need anybody to waste time with because you've got enough time to waste time. So it's a new challenge. It's a new challenge. So these are lots of disparate ideas. Right? Because the brother told me, uh, I asked him, what's your, uh, what's your objective of this title of the talk? So he said, well, this is that a lot of people are feeling challenged and so on and so forth. So this is what we want to do. So to conclude, let us stop wasting too much time and fix a time for everything. Then the barakah will come in our time. Let us introduce in our life a number of adhkar. Simply put, just believe me, if you do this, uh, this is science, by the way. If you do this for three months and it doesn't work to you, come and tell us. But if you do a hundred istighfar in the morning, hundred times in the morning and evening, the benefit of that will be that if you only do it in the day, in the morning, all everything, all the wrongs you've done from the night time, inshallah, will be forgiven. When you do it in the evening, all the day's uh, wrongs will be forgiven. So we're it's like taking two showers a day. Right? That's purification. Then you do salawat on the Prophet sallallahu He said, Man wahida, sallallahu Whoever sends one blessing on me, Allah will send ten on him. Even one blessing upon us is, subhanallah, that's amazing. So you do a hundred salawat and you get a thousand blessings on you. Right? And we need that because that's like perfuming, that's blessing. Morning and evening. Then you read a bit of Quran. Quran has a huge barakah. It's a, it's a what is it? Um, it's a healing of the heart, it's a light of the eyes. And without the Quran, we'd be nowhere. And there's a special barakah in the Quran. So you read some Quran every day, even if it's one page, half a page, whatever it is. And then just spend five, seven minutes with Allah. You're saying, I'm praying. The problem is that if our prayer is mechanical, then we're not really spending time with Him. We're doing the motions. So how do you force yourself to learn tadabbur uh, and tafakkur and concentration and devotion and focus? Uh, just sit five, seven minutes a day. Just sit and do some kind of meditation. There's many, many different types of meditation. One I will suggest, which is very powerful, very useful. You can try it and you will feel the contentment. You just, you just sit, close your eyes, just look down, make sure you, nobody's bothering you. Put your phone off or silent or whatever, all beeps, lights on your phone off. And you just sit down, close your eyes, look down, just focus on your heart. And just imagine Allah's mercy is descending on your heart. You, because Allah's mercy is always around, you just want to attract some of it to your heart. And then your just heart says, Allah, 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 without your tongue, just, just, with, your, just, with, just with your heart. It provides so much peace. Allah says, وَذْكُرِسْمَ uh, رَبِّكَ Remember the name of your Lord. You say, I must remember Allah. How do you remember Allah? What are you going to think of when you remember Allah? You know, people say, we're told, remember Allah. And people are like, what do I think of? You can't uh, put Allah in a form. What Allah tells us is, وَذْكُرِسْمَ رَبِّكَ Remember the name of your Lord. So you think of Allah's name and Allah will give you from there. Just taking the name of Allah is so beneficial. La ilaha illallah. Allah. You don't have to make any major movement of your tongue. Just look at how easy this word is, this term is. La ilaha. Just, just look at my tongue. La ilaha illallah. Not a movement. You could be sitting on a bus on a tram, however you go to work, you're saying, La ilaha illallah, nobody even needs to know, but mashallah, there you are connected to Allah. La ilaha illallah, Allah. So anyway, you sit for five, seven minutes and you just think about this. The benefit of this is that it's so powerful. When you do dhikr with your, with your tongue uh, on a tasbih, if I take a tasbih and I'm saying, Subhanallah, Alhamdulillah, Allahu Akbar, it's wonderful. It's wonderful. The only issue is that our mind may be somewhere else. We're doing this. It's still good. It's still better than not doing it. But when you actually do this, five minutes, it will focus. It will force you to focus on Allah. And a lot of people will find focusing even for five, seven minutes very difficult because we're in a we're, we're in a distracted generation. Our generation is very distracted because the phone has distracts us. Multi, you know, just 
check this not doing, check that one from here, from there, we're very distracted. So, just five, seven minutes, just focus. Every time you get distracted, come back and focus. Just five, seven, ten minutes maybe. And you will see, inshallah, that the light of Allah will come in your heart. That will improve our prayer, our salat, we can concentrate. It's a practice. We, it will benefit us in every other way, inshallah. But this will be very difficult to introduce in our life. You may do it tomorrow, right? Because you've just heard it right now. You may be pumped up. You might do it tomorrow. You might do it the next day. But then after that, you won't. So the way you do it is that, as Ibn Atta'illahimullah says, he says that you force yourself to do it first. You have to, you see, uh, you have a tartib in your life, in your daily routine, everything you do. Okay, this time is for YouTube, this time is for soccer, this time is for. You have. Now we need to push it in. Once you push it in, then it becomes part of your, your nafs becomes used to it, then inshallah it will be easy. So that's why at least once a week, you should also listen to a spiritually motivating lecture. Because you will start feeling down again when you feel the spiritual motivation, if you come to the majlis, if you come to the, a class, and if you're, not, if you're somewhere else, you can't come physically, then listen to something online. So inshallah, as I said, if for just a few weeks you do salawat, uh, istighfar, salawat, Quran reading, and some of this meditation, and you still don't feel close to Allah, unless you're doing lots of sins, you know, you have to try to avoid sins as well. If you don't feel close to Allah, come and come and tell us. But this is guaranteed; it will work, inshallah, because the name of Allah has this has this blessing. So if we, inshallah, bring that in our life. And we learn more so that we can make our work for the sake of Allah, for the sake of taking care of our families. Whatever mundane jobs we do at home or whatever the case is, then inshallah that will take us closer to Allah and we will feel inshallah much more connected. And anybody who feels connected to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala, he or she is an inspiration for others. Otherwise you're all complaining, oh we're so far from Allah, we're so far from Allah. That in itself is a bad complaint. It's a good thing that you feel like that. But we want to be closer to Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala. So we ask Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala to really bring us close to Him, grant us His love. Allahumma rzuqna hubbak wa hubba man yanfa'una hubbuhu indak is a dua that we should always make. Right? Allahumma rzuqna hubbak, which means, oh Allah, grant us your love. And the love of those whose love benefits us in your court. That will, inshallah, Allah will then surround us with people who will not take us away from the love of Allah. So that's all I have to say for today. Um,